0: This young couple who's leading doesn't have kids yet, but they they really, they bless a lot of people. And they've had five baptisms this last month in their community. Wow. And a couple of them were people going like, they heard others who were coming to faith in Christ and walking with him, be immersed in their identity and the richness of that. And they're like, man, that was nothing like that. I was real little or I was at a youth camp thing. And I'm not saying it wasn't beautiful and it was great, but... I want to be immersed in my identity connected to our community and I want the love and the sharing of that and the accountability and the beauty of all that. Mm-hmm. And so can I is it is it like illegal or can I be can I be rebaptized and immersed in my identity like Jesus actually said and like yeah, you get to.
1: Hey friends, welcome to the 1000 Houses podcast where we encourage and equip households to make disciples in and through the home. Every episode, you're going to hear interviews, teachings, and conversations around what it looks like to turn your home into a hub for mission and community and discipleship. Today's episode is from one of our coaching intensives called Made for Mission, where we coach others on how to practically live out the command of Jesus to go and make disciples in our Western context. So if you want to learn more about A Thousand Houses or check out some of our resources, visit 1KHD. Caesar's our guest today, and he is going. He's he's done so much for Jeremy and I, and so many others. Countless people who are asking the same question that we're trying to wrestle with, which is, how do we make disciples here in the West? And today, Caesar, we're going to pick your brain on the topic of identity. Um, Probably more than anybody I know, you've given me the most. You've kind of imparted uh, this this wisdom and this knowledge. Uh, to many of us that have, that have worked with you. And so we're just grateful for your time today. And uh, one thing that we can maybe jump right in with is uh, maybe you can give, maybe just give a general idea of, okay, what does it look like to take on an identity as a missionary? Um, and then one thing I'd really love for you to share with us is just your, your teaching on looking at baptism and how mm. that informs our identity as disciple makers and, and missionaries. So thanks for your time. I'm just going to turn you loose, man.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, thanks for letting me hang out with you guys for a little bit and talk about probably one of my absolute favorite topics, because I think our, our identity is a huge gospel issue. And we, call, we even refer to it as our gospel identity versus all the identity labels maybe that the world puts on us. And one, the importance of this in making disciples is pretty paramount. We, we found early on that um, being a little more apostolic, you know, little a apostolic and, and gifting myself and my and partner and all, um, we were pretty intuitively getting people around us, believers, not yet believers mostly, and helping them walk in the ways of Jesus and come to faith and trust in Him and grow and mature and all. Um, but uh, it pretty quickly, when we then kind of sent others off to do the same, they would kind of look at what we were doing and try to just do the same things, but it wasn't come from an identity motivation. They didn't really see themselves as part of God's family of missionary servants sent as disciples to make disciples. So they were trying to do a bunch of stuff so they could be a certain type of people. Mm -hmm. And what we found is is that even the right, best, beautiful uh, sort of missional living gospel community life or whatever can become law and will become law pretty quickly if what we're doing individually as families, on mission, as oikoses, as collected people, like in a missional community or something, it'll quickly become law, like a new law, if it's not flowing from a gospel motivation and primarily out of who we are. And so what we what we say is that so often these things that you're we're teaching people or leading them in becomes like, well, we should be doing that. And that you you're supposed to do that. And you know, hey man, do you believe Jesus died for you? Then you you better be, you know, you should, you know, we say, Well, there's no should in the gospel. There's no should or shouldn't. There's, there's, we get to because of who God is and who he's created us to be and now empowers us to be, or we need not. And either way, God loves us exactly the same. So let's, let's work deeply at believing who God is and who he's created us to be. And now fulfilling that through the power of the spirit. And let's live out of that. What happens is, is when we start to believe our identity and live in this case, as missionaries, like that's part of who God is and who he's created us to be. You don't see it as like a put on or something you're supposed to do. You go like, I really get to, you know, like we say, birds don't fly because they're supposed to. They fly because they get to, man. You know, you imagine having wings your whole life and not flying. And then one day someone says, oh, by the way, bro, you know, those things that make your jacket fit weird. And you kind of always cursed it and when you were a teenager and you thought like, man, I wish I didn't have, you know, those are wings. Watch this. And, you know, you start flying around. Oh, my gosh, I could have been doing this my whole life. Yeah. In some ways, our gospel identity is that way. People don't know it or believe it tangibly. We're kind of told like, well, your identity is in Christ. And that's a true statement, but it's bigger than just that because we serve a triune God. Who
1: For me, that's how I've like growing up in church. I've always heard like this really broad, high level, your identity is in Christ. And then as a disciple maker trying to put that on, it's like you don't even. What that
0: usually means is so you don't have to worry about hell now. Hmm. Cause God looks at you and sees Jesus, true statement, but he also sees his son who was a missionary, who was for people to show the world what his father was like, you know what I mean? And so in Christ is way more, it's no less than, but it's way more than just, hey, Jesus is your ticket out of hell and into heaven. And so when the father sees you, he's gonna remember that bank account switcheroo, you know what I mean? Kind of sin account, yeah. you know what I mean? It's way bigger than that and, yeah. and it's rich, and it's multifaceted like our triune God that we were created in his images
1: yeah break that break that down for us because that's that's really that was the game changer for me was seeing it broken down into like, like this the Trinity and and how that plays into our identity yeah digging sure there, yeah.
0: well one of the crazy things is is I think we've all heard this before like probably a lot of times because it's yeah. in Matthew 28 where Jesus says hey go and make disciples everywhere you go. Okay, and I'm not going to break it all down and teach every bit of it, but, but then he goes. What does he say? He goes baptizing them. And that word means to immerse them, soak them into the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. And then teach right. them all the stuff I've taught you, and then send them out to do the same. Basically, it's what he's saying. But such a key thing in this this great commission is is both our mission: go and make disciples. Okay, so I hope the church is listening to that. It's not go and pump up your live stream. It's not get your worship services back going. It's not build new church buildings. It, we get to do all that, but it's go and make disciples. And then, and what's huge and paramount in that, immerse them in their true identity. That's what he says next. There's nothing in between. It's not like, so after you build this stuff and get this in line and manage this level of sin in their life, it's, so then baptize them in the name of the father. That's an identity statement. Whoever's father is that your name. In the name of the son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And so we realize that this statement that's true, our identities in Christ, yes, but it's also in the Father, and it's also in the Spirit, because we were created in the image of a triune God. And so I'm going to go ahead and share my screen that'll help me kind of, you know, unpack this just a little bit more, if that's okay.
2: Yeah, let's do it. All
0: right. So here's kind of how that looks, right? Like, we have a triune God, father, son, and Holy spirit. And by the way, that disc in the center is disciple. It's just a bigger word than I could fit. (laughs) It's disciple. Right. And, and we have the same father. We were created in the image of the father in the name of whenever you hear name, that's identity language. It just Mm. is right. It is in normal life. It was then too. (laughs) Right. And we are all God's children who live as brothers and sisters. And so even if you just stay right in the lane of like, let's look at who the church is. Now, I think humans were all created in the image of God. That's what it says in you know the Bible, right? But let's just say just as believers, as the church, if we really believe God's our father, that makes you and I, three of us, all brothers. And if we have the same dad and we're brothers, then we're part of the same family. And our sisters who have the same dad, like we're part of a family. We are a family. The church is primarily and foremost a family. And I think that's super important that we believe that because then we're gonna interact differently. How often does a family hang out, right? I mean, look at scripture here, and I'll be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. He doesn't say, and I'll be like a father to you. I am your father, both to the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He's our brother? I mean we know he's our savior and our lord. He's our brother? Yeah, that's how that's how he sees it. <laughs> awesome. Powerful, right?
2: So good. Awesome. And Caesar, you guys in your uh, like your community when you actually do a baptism, you kind of walk through this, like describe to me how that how that how, how do you immerse somebody like physically? Yeah, let me
0: let me real quick just get through the rest of the triangle and then I'll give you that real visceral real language for that, right? Okay, so sure. then if, we're, if, if we have the same father, we're family. Jesus is a son. We live as as our king lived, and he was a servant, right? Whoever wants to be great amongst you must be a servant. Hmm. Whoever wants to be first among you must serve. That's what the son of man came. He came to serve, not to be served. And he says we should have the same sort of attitude and belief, right? Jesus says, as I was sent, so I send you. That makes us servants by our very identity. And you can look through all of scripture. Look at how God is. <laughs> Then look how Jesus is. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Like we are servants. That's part of our identity, who we are created to be. We don't serve because we're supposed to, or it looks good, or it makes Christians look less mean, or we get to because it shows the world what our dad's like, right? What our okay. brothers like. And then in light of being made in the image of the Holy Spirit, I was back that up a second. We we have an identity relationship with the spirit. Like that's. Like really, we were created in the image of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not some like weird uncle, you know, that just shows up once in a while, or you know, he's, it, you know, he, he's not a umph, a little extra power when you need it, or like hmm, some crazy insight or whatever. Those might be things he can do for us, or does with us, or in us. But he's God. The Spirit is a person, and yeah. we're filled and empowered and sent now by that same Spirit that did all that in Christ. We're missionaries, sent ones. That's what it. That's what Jesus says, as I was sent, so I send you. And then he breathed on them, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that is like, whoa, wait a second. If you're Jewish, you're going like, that's exactly the same language as in the garden when God created humanity, breathed his own breath into them, giving him life and said, now be fruitful and multiply, fill the world with what? Me, right? See, we are missionaries. It's not just people who go and do sort of missions work. That's our identity. Mm-hmm. And so to kind of get back to your question, Jeremy, when we baptize people in our community, we don't do it like Nacho Libre, where it's like, you know, <laughs> kind of like just this perfunctory thing, this old world ritual that I guess we're supposed to do. It's like, oh, no, we take it viscerally. Like, so Jesus commands us to baptize people. He doesn't say, hey, when that person feels ready, they should find someone to baptize. It's like, no, we as the disciple maker are called the disciple and to baptize. So we we press into that. We're like, I don't want to immerse you in this, you know, like within our community. And so what we'll do is. We don't do it like Nacho Libra where it's like Father, Son, Holy Spirit next, you know, and you get the the t-shirt from the shirt now, uh, from the church. We, we do it this way. In fact, someone was just doing it this way this weekend. Um, not in our community, but they were kind of filling us in. We were like, Hey, um, Hey, Mike, you know, we're baptizing my buddy, Mike. Hey, Mike, um, you've come a, such a long distance in your life and starting to walk with Jesus and walk in his ways and start to put your hope and your trust and find your life and identity in him now. You know, do you believe that God's your father, that you're his dearly loved son, you have nothing left to do or earn or prove because of Christ now, you're just, you're free before him? He's I do. I want to baptize you in the name of your father who loves you so much. You bat, we baptize them, you know what I mean? And we dunk them. And then we go like, and I want to, I also want to just ask you, do you believe that like Jesus, you're a servant now that you've been set free to, to not perform in your doings, but you get to be a servant like he is. And so now I want to send you out to serve others as well. And his strength and power, not your own. Yeah, I believe that. Well, I want to baptize you in the name of the son, our Lord Jesus, who's a servant and and he's made you one too. And when we baptize him in that and then and then like and I want to baptize you in the name and your identity that the spirit has sent you now and empowered you as a sent one. You're a missionary. God's going to use you in the lives of many that our walk, as you've seen in our community, is not just about us and our holy hell kind of thing. But God's going to use you in ways I don't even know but he's going to send and empower you. And he says, he'll never leave you or forsake you. I want to, do you believe that? Yeah, I believe I'm a missionary now. Great. Isn't it great that you have the power that Christ had to live that way? I want to baptize you in the name of the Holy Spirit. These are all things that are true of you already and secured now and empowered by Christ and his spirit. What a beautiful way you get to live. We all get to live and encourage one another in that. Well, what a powerful baptism. Now, well, that's so elaborate. That takes forever. It took 60 seconds. If you wanted to, we would actually take longer and savor it. And maybe a lot of
1: people, I think a lot of people that are watching this are like, I need to get baptized again.
0: (laughs) Well, we've had that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we had a community. Okay. some folks that we're, we're coaching right now. They're in Texas. They're in their uh, mid twenties. uh, This young couple who's leading doesn't have kids yet, but they, they really, they bless a lot of people. And they've had five baptisms this last month in their community. Wow. And a couple of them were people going like they heard others who were coming to faith in Christ and walking with him be immersed in their identity and the richness of that. And they're like, man, that was nothing like that. I was real little or I was at a youth camp thing. And I'm not saying it wasn't beautiful and it was great, but I want to be immersed in my identity, connected to our community. And I want the love and the sharing of that and the accountability and the beauty of all that. Hmm. And so can I? Is it, is it like illegal or can I be? Can I be rebaptized and immersed in my identity, like Jesus actually said? I'm like, Yeah, you get to. Now I know some people in their polity, they would say, No, 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 it's a once and doneer, you know. I'm like, Well, I don't know, you don't do communion once and done. Like it wasn't, you know, and this flows right out of a Hebraic, uh, is is Israel's understanding of mikvah and and cleansing and living water. They did it all the time. The problem is they were taught to do it externally. Hey, you touch something dirty or unclean, and so you got to wash that off in a very special way. John the Baptist comes on the scene and says, hey, repent, what? Change your mind and live differently in light of what? This. It was a whole internal thing. They had never seen it that way. So I think it's okay, but everybody can vote their conscience. But I said, sure, get immersed again in your identity. I don't know that we can do that too many times. Verbally, splish, splash, dry, wet, you know, like this is so powerful to who we are and how we get to live. And it really changes motivation so much. And like I said at the beginning, without it, our sort of missional disciple making impulse becomes law. And when I feel like it and I don't want to, or why do I have to, what am I supposed to do? Tell me I'll do it. You know? Well, speaking of that,
2: uh, Caesar, a lot of people grew up with this idea of missionaries that it's not something you get to do. It's like, please God, don't send me to Africa. You know?
0: Um, (laughs) That was me. Exactly. The phrase that was exact. The phrase. I just know if I really trust Jesus, I'm going to Africa. I'm going to have to get short hair. I'll be crying all the time. I'm eating (laughs) weird stuff. And he, you know what, he did all that in my life, by the way. I've been to Africa yeah, so many funny. times, but uh, <laughs> long other story.
2: <laughs> so, like for somebody who's here in their own hometown and thinks my job is to go to church and maybe be a good person and be a, be a disciple and learn. But, but I don't know that I necessarily have ever heard that, that it's that part of my responsibility and, 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 that I get to be privileged.
0: I would say it's part of our privilege, man.
2: Yeah. You know. so how do you, how do you talk to that kind of person? Like, how do they be, how does, how does their their sort of visual image of this is like hard work that thank God only 1% of the church has to do. <laughs> I'm not one of them to like, yeah. Oh, I get to do this. Like as somebody who yeah. in my own context,
0: Well, it certainly isn't like a light switch because, you know, they heard a five-minute presentation on a Trinitarian identity. It's over. This has to be something that we ground, reground, talk about, connect a lot of dots to all the time. And sometimes we need to see, well, what's it look like to live like a servant? I'm going to get stepped on or whatever, or live like a missionary. And when I was a kid, uh, being raised in a church with some pretty bad gospel theology going down, um, you know, we were told, oh, oh, you know, Caesar, you're a missionary. You're a little missionary in your school. And what they meant though was, so, so here's some tracks you should hand out and invite them to, you know, March to Sunday school in March. That's, that's what you need to do. That's what missionaries do. I was like, well, I want to remind you, uh, you're creating the image of a missionary God right from the garden. Like, Hey, where are you looking for Adam and Eve right after they sin and then pursuing Israel and then moving into the neighborhood and the tabernacle. And then Jesus coming and taking on flesh. We have a missionary God that says we created creating his image. It's true of us. It's more than just when I do certain things, I'm a missionary. It's like I am one. So, what would it look like to live in light of that truth? Which and and what's the mission? Make disciples, help people move from unbelief to belief in light of the gospel and what's true of them now. So if I'm a missionary and I'm in, then I'm always in mode. In other words, we we tell people you're always in discipleship mode. That's the mission. So people are seeing in your life words, priorities, time usage. They're seeing what you value and what you're worth. Ship What you give worth to. And so you're either discipling people, even like at the line at the grocery store to what it looks like to live as a servant and prefer others and look to shoulder the pain of their life and choices and all like Jesus came to do. Or they're seeing what it looks like to be kind of selfish and fidgety and try to cut the line and oh, can't believe she's taking so long, you know, and all that. We're always in discipleship mode. When we believe our identity so then we realize what a great opportunity and like you said responsibility to help people move from unbelief to belief about what's true of god Mm. and now true of them in all of life Mm. and i'm always in discipleship mode so every meal every conversation has opportunity to help people move from unbelief to belief sometimes in very small ways it's our actions it's our tone it's our attitude they know we're a believer And, and, and by the way we're missionaries i.e. making disciples of not just lost, dirty, filthy, heathen types. Don't discount the discipling of the saints. Most Christians have not been discipled. They don't know and believe and live out of their identity. And so therefore they live in sort of a do to be distortion, we call it, right? Like what I do equals who I am. That's what pleases God. It's the stuff I do. No, nope. Jesus already did everything that was needed to please him. We get to live free we get to live as missionaries because he's created us that way. And when we do, it looks just like him. We're living out of what's true of us, you know, like, and it's, well, but I don't know how to, but you have the spirit of God who not only empowered and sent Jesus, but now empowers and sends us. I'll never leave you forsake you. He said, that's what he meant. Mm -hmm. And and so, but, but we have to ask him. And then, and I think it's important too. we do this as community. You just don't see any Lone Ranger disciple making going on in scripture. Yeah. You know, yeah. it doesn't mean we'll never have a one to one type of conversation with people, but you can't make a disciple of Jesus alone to maturity because we're the part of the body of Christ. Yeah. No one of us is fully 100% Jesus. Yeah. we part of that body. So
2: that's awesome. For you, so, uh, go ahead, Jeremy. For you personally, Caesar, uh, one of the things I, I appreciate in our conversations is it definitely feels like you feel like you get to, like, this is a good thing. And, and like <laughs> I said, for a lot of people, that penny hasn't dropped. So maybe just describe for you personally, for you and Tina, your family, like, why do you personally feel like this is a get to, uh, why do you, why have you embraced this identity and found that this is something that it's, it's really a privilege to live out of?
0: Well, that's a, that's a, I mean, that's a really important, and great question, Jeremy. I think that, remember I said, this is really a gospel issue and we call it our gospel identity. In other words, who God is and what he's done in and through Christ, you know speaks right directly to my identity and if i don't believe that i am a son and fully forgiven and i there's nothing to ever do to add to my dad's good pleasure that i already have this is my son who i'm well pleased jesus hadn't done any miracles or anything he just was his son when I believe that, and, and and I believe that God is the most glorious one in the universe, you know, he's the, he's the perfection from the starting point forward. And he created me in that same image to be like him. And I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to do anything to be his son. Um, that frees me up to go and serve and look to disciple people and live as a missionary. Where a lot of what keeps people from doing this, they go, "I, you know what? You showed me this. It's biblical. I want to live this way." But it's our fear of man. It's our fear of others' perception of us, or we make someone's opinion of us more glorious than the father's. Hmm. Like actually, my neighbor who might not dig the fact that I invited him over for barbecue, you know, or asked him how's it going with your wife and kids or whatever. Um, That's more glorious and the god who created me and the universe and you know in <laughs> time and space and sustains our life and all that i have to believe the truth of the gospel that that it is finished that god loves me completely i'm completely forgiven and beloved with nothing to earn so i'm free to be his son without you know and that actually carries way more weight than that's what glory means in Hebrew it means weightiness heaviness that carries more weight in my life what god thinks of me and says is true of me because of christ now and my true identity then well I, i'd love the neighbor to have fun and want to hang out with me but not everybody's going to like me so if he doesn't okay <laughs> you know let's see who else might want to come over for dinner or who else could we serve out of our servant aspect of our identity and you start to live with a freedom because you go it's you know it's not even about me and uh, God's so glorious. His approval is so real because I believe the true gospel, a big gospel, not just a gospel about my afterlife, but the reality of my identity. Um, I'm just not that flipped out by, you know, I don't have to have a perfect clean house or have all the right words. I'm just going to trust the spirit to lead all that stuff. And I'm free. Yes. And, and I think that's the shift. We believe a big enough gospel that says it is finished. You are his son. You are his daughter. That is weightier <laughs> than anything else, because I really think it's that fear of man kind of, oh, you know, a fear of rejection kind of stuff that keeps us from even being in people's lives. Yeah. You know, if, if I have fear of man, which the flip side of that same coin, we've talked a lot about this before, is love of self. Yeah. One sure way to manage that, if I don't believe, you know, that I'm free and, you know, like a, truly a beloved child, uh, one way to manage that is to not do anything, isolate. If I don't have people around a whole lot, then I don't have to have my glory assaulted when someone doesn't like me or want to hang with me or doesn't accept an invitation to, hey, we're all going to go to the beach this weekend with the kids and, you know, put some bread out for the ducks or whatever you want to do. And no, I don't want to do that. Oh, I'm crushed. Right. Well, because it was all about my, my, me, <laughs> you know, so that starts to shift. And that's why you, you, we, we, we believe in, you know, in our communities and even from the pulpit or whatever, you know, like we have to not talk about identity like once in a while, it really flows through everything. Why? Because it's flowing from who God is. And so like, well, how do we teach scripture? We always have to teach, well, who is God and why is he saying this? And what was he doing here? And what was the thing behind the thing that he's trying to accomplish? And how does that speak to our identity? So in our minds and hearts, we almost don't teach anything that's not connected to identity because we want to worship him. It's out of his identity we get ours. And then he says, but I know you're going to need my power to live my life. Yeah, I had I'm gonna give you that too. Wow, you know,
1: Caesar, this is so rich. Oh man, if so, guys, this is like if we don't have this identity piece, uh, we're we're really working upstream, and, and we're gonna burn out, honestly, um, and all kinds of negative consequences. So, um, Caesar, thank you so much. This is like really foundational, deep stuff to think about. And if you're like me, uh, you want our, our natural tendency is to just say, "Tell me what to do." Um, So if you're feeling that, stop and and revisit um, this identity piece. Thank you so much. This is such good stuff. Thank
0: you. You're you're so welcome. And it's a privilege. And I just, I'll give you my last little thought is living God's life and his identity with his spirit, the power that raised Christ from dead in us will never burn you out. It just won't. Living his life under his power, it won't freak you out and burn you out. He said that, right? So anyway, yeah. let's hope we can believe it. <laughs>
1: awesome. Thanks, Love it. Thanks, Caesar. Yeah. Well, friends, thanks for listening to today's episode. If this teaching stirred something in you and you're feeling a yearning to learn how to make disciples in the West, we just want to invite you to join our Made for Mission coaching intensive where we combine online content and personal coaching that's going to provide you with the teaching and the tools and the encouragement that you need to actually see disciples made in your context. So for more information and to apply for this coaching intensive, go to 1kh.org made for mission. We'll see you for the next episode.